distracted by that, very distracted about him uh, meeting with people over there and talking to them about things and thinking about ways that I can help him do what he's doing over there and, and stuff, or Tom and Lori or whatever it is. And so for the last few weeks, come on. For the last few weeks, you know, I've had, uh, come and join our circle of love. There's a chair over by Dave. And uh, so for the last few weeks, uh, I've been distracted. And and it, there's, it's been a stressful time. All right? But people that don't know me probably wouldn't know that. People that do know me would notice that. But the reason people that don't know me would, would notice is because it's just one of those things that you, you move through because you're prepared for it. You move through things because you're ready. I mean, June was in the hospital with blood clots, or June was in the hospital with uh, seizures, or June was in the hospital twice for a finger, or June was, you know, whatever. All right? We move through these times. People die when we we face crises, when people come against us. So I want to talk to you, and I really want to encourage you toward a perspective in our lives that's going to see us through those times. A perspective, a way to be, a way to see things, uh, way to understand the world around us that it just helps us to, to move through things in a way that is going to be consistent no matter if it's the best day of my life or the worst day of my life it's a day all right and we're gonna get through that too so uh, psalm 109 uh, somebody read verse 28 while they curse may you bless May those who attack me be put to shame, but may your servant rejoice. Alright, this is a this this verse, uh, if you read the context of it, the psalmist, the guy writing the, the psalm, his body was wasting away. He was being worn away. Uh, he had a, a leanness of body. What you know what that means when you're being lean of body? It means you get skinny. You're not eating enough. To sustain yourself, and so your body is literally eating itself so that you can live. Alright? So the psalmist was facing all those things physically, plus he was being ridiculed, he was being reproached. And he made a decision in this psalm, and in other psalms like it, because this isn't the only one like this, but he made a decision that it is one of those would you rather kind of Zabmondo decisions. Hmm? You know, would you rather, all right, and the, and the Zabmondo would you rather that he was facing was this. Would you rather be lean of body or lean of soul? All right, that's what he was facing. Would you rather be lean of body or lean of soul? And he chose, I'd rather be lean of body. Because what he understood was is that his soul, his spiritual self, who he was deep down inside, who God had made him to be, God's purposes, plans, all that were wrapped up in his spiritual being, in his soul, he he understood that if his soul would prosper, if that that was the way it's going to be, then the leanness of body wasn't important to him. And he made that decision ahead of time. Now, if you think about what that can affect in your life, I want you to think about uh, something like fasting. I want you to think about disciplining your body. 
your desires, your cravings, whatever it is that you need to discipline. Uh, we as people are used to, and those of you that have heard the foundational teachings or you know, I've also talked about it in other places, we are prone toward letting our bodies rule us. That's something that has been true. That's how we're born. Uh, when you're a baby, you get hungry, what do you do? What do babies do when they get hungry? Cry. They cry. Why are they crying? Because they're hungry and they want somebody to feed them. That's why. Babies, you know, they wet themselves, they shit themselves. What do they do? Cry. They cry. Why? Because they want somebody to come and change them. And so if you think about that, from the time you're just a little bitty baby and you're growing up, what you're used to is that your body tells you something and you immediately demand a response. Alright? Now, a good parent will begin to teach you at an early age, even from the time you're a baby, that you don't always get the response you want. A good parent will let you cry. A good parent, and I know that goes against what a lot of people believe, but a good parent will let you cry. You know, I, I feel alone. I want to be helped. So a baby will cry when they feel that way. A good parent will let you cry. They will. Uh, a good parent, when you're old enough to speak and to make your demands verbally, will say no. And will tell you you will wait until it's time. They will have you wait until an appropriate time when they can do what you need done. And they will teach you that from the time that you're that little so that you understand that when you're an adult. Now everything I just said sounds great except for people don't do it. Not everybody does it, I should say. And so what happens is is that you turn 15 and your mental age is still six months. You turn 17 and your mental age is still nine months. And you're hungry, so uh, feed me. Uh, I, got, I feel like I need to go to the bathroom. Stop the car. I feel like, uh, I, I, you know, whatever it is. And, and so our bodies rule us, and that's a huge issue. That is a huge issue for us, is when our bodies rule us. And you look at the psalmist and what he says here, he's like, here's a guy that's suffering in body. Here's a guy that his body is waste, literally wasting away so that he can live. But he's okay. Because his soul is prospering. And he had changed his value structure one way or another, whether it was his parents that, that taught him when he was little, 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 that you just can't get everything you want right when you want it. Whether it was his parents that, that raised him a different way and told him, hey, this is how you're going to live and this is what it means to be an adult. This is what it means to be a human. This is what it means to actually live among other people. That not everyone's going to just jump at your snap because you need something or you want something. Alright? You follow me on this so far? The reason this is important is because this has to be set before you're in the lean times. This has to be set before you're wasting away. Or you will never, ever even allow that to happen. Because you're going to make a different decision. Here's the other side of that decision. My, my, my soul is wasting away. But physically, 
and prosper. And if you're listening to your body and your body is ruling you, your body will be fed even at the expense of your soul. And that's what's going to happen. Because when times get tough, that'll happen. Or maybe that's when times get good. I don't know which. But that's what happens. I want, I want, I want. To what expense? What are you willing to pay? And if you're, you're, you're desires of your body are that strong, you will pay with your soul. And that's a problem. So there's a discipline issue that has to be addressed beforehand that if it's addressed in the moment, isn't effective. It doesn't work. It's going to lose. You're going to lose. Your soul is always going to lose in the moment. And I, I say that because I don't know of any situation where that's not true. If you wait to the moment to make your decision on if it's going to be, I'm going to feed my body or I'm going to feed my soul, you're going to take the thing that seems like complete desperation. You think about uh, Esau and Jacob. Remember the story of Esau and Jacob? And how, how Esau came in from the field from hunting. And, and, he, and he said to Jacob, he's like, i got to eat. I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. Was he really so hungry he was going to die, do you think? I doubt it. I doubt it. You can go a long time without eating. You can't go a long time without drinking water, but you can go a long time without eating. So he wasn't going to die. That was, he literally was not true. He was not going to die. But he felt like he was. Why? Because that's his body said... I'm hungry. And so Jacob saw the opportunity and said, All right, well, you can have some of this soup here I made, but you got to sell me your birthright first. And, and did, listen to the decision that, Jacob, that Esau made. You got to hear the decision. In the moment, in that moment, he said, What good does my birthright do me if I die of starvation? You see what happened there? The body's going to win unless a decision is made ahead of time. That's what happens. And so we have to come to that place. Or we never reach the place that the psalmist does here. We can't, we can't reach this place. He's already wasting away. He's already being uh, lean of body being worn away, being ridiculed, being reproached. All these things are happening to him. And yet in the midst of that, his soul is prospering. Somehow, somewhere. In the midst of that. It's like, you know, he's getting ripped up physically, but he's prospering in soul. It's, it's pretty amazing. I tell you, some of the best times I have spiritually are during the fast. Why? Why is that? You know, and other people are the same way. When you, when they're fasting, it's like these are the times. I mean, God's speaking, and I'm hearing, I'm getting revelation, and I'm, I'm, you know, getting stuff out of the scriptures every day when I'm reading. I'm just writing stuff down. Why? Well, my body's wasting away, but my spirit, my soul, is prospering in the midst of that. Because I've made a decision ahead of time. I made a decision before I started. It's not like I get up every day and ask myself, Am I going to eat today? 
I already made the decision I'm not going to eat. I already made the decision that I'm going to read the scriptures every day. I already made the decision I'm going to pray every day. I made the decision I'll come down here and I'll worship or whatever I'm going to do. I made those decisions already. And so in the midst of that, my body can waste away, but I've made my decisions and so my soul begins to prosper in the midst of that. But that was done ahead of time. That was, that was already set in motion beforehand. It's not like magic and it happens right then. Like, oh wow, look, what a surprise. What a shocker. It's like every year I'm not shocked in January when that happens or whenever it is I'm fasting the next time. I don't get shocked by it because it's not a shocker. It's not something that, that is unexpected. It is expected. That's why the decision was made ahead of time. Just like hard times are going to come. They shouldn't shock you when they do. Persecution comes. They shouldn't shock you when it comes. People aren't going to like you. That should not shock you. People will oppose you. That should not be a surprise. Alright? It's just going to happen. Now, am I wishing that on you? No. Are you going out looking for people to hate you? No. And nobody hates you right now? Good. Good. Good times. That's awesome. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen. Because it just does. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Be ready. Be prepared. Let your decisions have been made before that. So if God blesses us, the whole point of this psalm is this. If God blesses us, then we don't need to care who curses us. Because how can someone curse whom God has blessed? Okay, that's the idea. And I think sometimes we take for granted or we don't realize the full, we don't take a full understanding of what it means that God blesses us. Because I think if we did, a lot of the stuff we worry about and that we care about wouldn't matter. I think it just, it, it'd fade. It would be immaterial to what is actually going on. And so, uh, somebody look at uh, 2 Samuel 16.11, if you would. If God blesses us, we need not care who curses us. Anybody ever been cursed before? You ever had somebody actually curse you? Well, no, no, I mean to your face or something. Yeah. You ever had that happen? Oh, okay. I think almost I had one student at Fredonia. She as she was just trying out on drugs and dealing the wrong stuff and I spent a lot of time talking to her and and she rose up against me on the campus. Yeah. And you came actually. Yeah. Yeah. That was really freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've had people just, you know, like curse me out loud right in front of people or in front of groups of people <laughs> or wherever, you know, I mean uh, even as a student, I remember there was a guy trying to curse me I was standing in line to get something to eat at, at a, um, a fast food place I got down in the basement of the campus center and we're just standing in line, the guy's like all over me like just crazy screaming and stuff and I was like, really? you know happens, I guess but yeah, if you've ever had that happen, 
if you're not somehow ready, and I don't know how to explain being ready except for you've already made the decision, you've already understood it, you've already figured out your place in all this. And it could be really, I guess, unsettling if you're not, if you hadn't already made your decisions. That could be unsettling to you. Somebody just screaming curses at you, especially in front of people, you know. Like it's just, and it could be shocking or surprising, but it shouldn't change anything. You know, like I've had uh, people scream at me at meetings on campuses, and I've still got to carry on and teach. You know, I can't get up and beat their ass. Because <laughs> uh, I'm there for a different reason. I'm there for a different purpose. And I had a, a different, uh, there's a different agenda going on. And, and something in me had to be ready to say, who cares? There's something bigger going on here. And so, uh, Second Samuel 16, 11. David then said to Abishai and all of his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood, is trying to kill me. How much more then is Benjamin? Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Alright, so this is David. He's going down the road. If you know the story, he's, he's, he's heading down the road. And uh, there's a guy who is just calling down curses on him. And he's the king. And uh, David's in a bad spot. His sons tried to uh, take over the kingdom. He's fleeing his own kingdom to get away from his son who's trying to kill him. I mean, things are going pretty bad for David. He's running away. Uh, he, he, he won't fight his own son. He made that decision. And so he's leaving and he's got some of his mighty men with him and they're just heading out of town. Here's this guy just heaping it on. You got a guy just totally defeated, totally just down. His own flesh and blood is trying to kill him. Already took the throne from him. And, he, and he's sneaking out of town. And here's a guy running along the side of the road, along the caravan, just cursing him as he's going. Just, I mean, just piling it on. Right? And, and one of his mighty men, it's, it's kind of interesting, is like, well, should we just go kill that guy? <laughs> no, seriously, should we just go kill him? And he's like, no. You, you heard what he said, right? He's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> In fact, David was resigned to the fact that God even told the guy to be cursed him like that. And he says, whatever. He disregarded it. He disregarded what the guy had to say how he was saying it and who he said it in front of and all that was going on even though it just seemed like it was just heaping bad on top of bad he was able to say don't worry about it don't worry about it and that disregard uh, you see in the, in the later in this, this verse in the Psalms where he says let them you know and then this was the idea uh, that that the idea of them cursing him, the, the, the verb there is a continual thing. Uh, like some things happen only once. Like I jumped. I jumped in the air. Alright? So, that, you know, I jumped once in the air. Or I jumped in the air. It could be a hundred times. Like there's a continual, or I'm jumping in the air kind of thing. Where I'm just jumping, 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 jumping. And not 
just one time, but lots of times. Well, this is the jumping, jumping, jump, cursing, 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 cursing. And so what he was saying was, let them continue to curse me, providing you bless me. That's what the verse says. Let them continue to curse me. Let them continue to say what they have to say. Let them curse me, meaning continual curse, 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 as long as, God, you're blessing me. In other words, he would cease to regard it. That's a, that's a really, I think, an important piece of this. Because he realized it didn't have merit. Now, an interesting thing with that story about David and the guy that was cursing him, he said God had him do it. Was there merit in it, though? No. Even though God instructed that guy possibly to do that, at least in David's eyes he did, there wasn't merit in it because what he was saying was untrue. Alright? And so David could disregard it. You ever seen the movie Roadhouse? Patrick Swayze. And uh, they were, they, he was instructing the bouncers. He's the cooler, right? And the double deuce. And he's instructing the bouncers and he said, uh, you know, if people cut you out or they, they, they say something bad about you, just ignore it. Just ignore it. And the guy's like, well, when they, when they uh, tell you to go fuck yourself, just ignore it. He's like, yeah, just ignore it. Say, what if they say something about your mama? What if they call your mama a whore? And his answer was, well, is she? <laughs> <laughs> and his whole point was, just ignore it. Just ignore it. He's like, they're just, they're just word groupings together, nouns and verbs put together to elicit a response from you. And you're really going to give it merit or you're not. And the point was, don't. Don't, don't add anything to it. Don't give it any credence. Disregard it. Disregard that. Because how how are we saved? What do I talk about Sunday? What do I irritate Catholics with on Sunday? Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Grace. You know, poke the bear, man. Especially with the poke coming. I'm poking that. I don't care. I don't care. Alright? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. If you don't know this verse, you should. I'm just telling you. You should know this. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. Alright, now... Uh, just in case you want to argue that there could be more to that and that you're involved in it somehow, Paul then goes on to say, not from yourselves. <laughs> it is the gift of God. Verse 9. In case you're still confused by it, not by works, so that no one can vote. Yeah. Now to me... You know, I, that's my go-to verse when I when I get somebody that's just irritated to crap with me for talking about grace. Like, how can you say that? How can you say grace is all about faith? How can you say or salvation is all about grace and faith? How can you say? How can you say? It? Well, that's how I can say it. That's how I say it right there. And not only does that verse state the positive of what I believe, it also states the negative 
of what you shouldn't believe. It's both. It's hard to get around that verse. Any thinking person would have a really hard time getting around those two verses. It's the free gift of God. It's by grace through faith, not of yourselves, and not by works. Alright? Lest anyone should boast. Boast about what? Being so good. I'm such a good person. <laughs> See, that whole, those two verses, in and of themselves, they just... They speak exactly to the issue. That's what they speak to. And, uh, you know, there's certain verses like that that I think are put in the Bible and they go backwards and forwards. Like that one does. It goes backwards and forwards. It goes, this is what it is, this is what it isn't. This is what it is, this is what it isn't. In other words, just going forward, backing up. Going forward, backing up, just squashing whatever's underneath it. Alright? And there's certain ones in the Bible that do that. They just squash it. Bad ideas. Just squash them. Because they keep going back and forth. Where are you going to go with that? I don't know. Go ahead. No, no. You're going to end up under the tires because they're going to squash it. Uh, there's certain verses like that. Uh, you know, people on, on campus specifically who like to argue with me about eternal security. Just want to argue with me about it. Just one saved, always saved. One saved, always saved. One saved, always saved. And and I can argue that from like 18 different ways. But there are certain verses in the Bible that are the forward and back verses. They go forward and they go back. And they go forward and they go back. And they just squash it. They squash it. Alright? And it's like, you know, everybody wants to believe that. Good. You can want to believe it all you want. But you got this verse right here. Squash it. Killing it. Let it kill it. Let it do it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and those are my go-tos. And I go, I went to them lots of times. I went to them lots of times. Because you know who's arguing about that stuff? It isn't the, I'm seeking God kind of person. It's the, I'm a bored Christian kind of person. Alright? They're the ones who want to argue with you about it. I'm a bitter, bored Christian. And I'm going to argue with you about everything. Alright? So... You don't like this, you don't like that, you go to movies, you listen to rock music or whatever it is. They won't argue with you about it. You do yoga? Ugh. Ugh. Okay. So, yeah, they just won't argue with you about it. So, you, you find them. You find those uh, kind of verses. So, for tonight's forward and back verse... That's it, right there. Okay, I, I love that verse. It goes forward and backwards, man. It's so good. And you know he put it in there just because there were people arguing about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. And I know you're thinking this, but no. <laughs> you might be thinking, no, no, that's not it. That is not it. And he's letting them know it's not it. And, and it's okay, it's not it. So, so the idea is that God saves by grace and mercy. So, how does that relate back to the psalmist? It relates back to the psalmist in this. That once you get that, once you understand he saves by grace and mercy, accusations don't really mean much. It's like, hey, you're a scumbag. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yep. Hey, you're this, you're that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. And you wonder, it's like, what gets attacked? Well, uh, reputation. 
Yeah, like I said, this guy was getting ridiculed. The psalmist was getting ridiculed. He was getting a reproach. I mean, people just were ripping him apart. He physically wasn't doing well, and he was just being ripped apart. Now, people do that. But we have a, a bigger enemy that that's what he does. Uh, the devil is described in the scriptures as the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. That's like his full-time job. I mean, I'm sure he does other stuff, but that, that's a pretty big part of his job description is accusing you and me. And so it, it's you're going to get accused. You're, you're going to be reproached. You're going to have people revile you and stuff. I mean, Jesus did, right? They get a, a glutton, a sinner, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors, sinners, that guy. Yeah, that was how they talked about Jesus. Because he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and people were drinking, and he turned water into wine in Cana, and he, he ate at feasts with these guys, and, and sure enough, he was right there, and so he was being accused of those things. He really was. You know, I think about that, but that's Jesus he was being accused of. He was convicted of being a criminal and killed for it. He wasn't just accused of being a criminal, he was convicted of it and then killed for it. Right? I mean, that's our Savior. That's the head. What would Jesus do? Alright? <laughs> He's the guy. He's the guy. They were following. And that happened to him. I mean, how, the disciples, 11 out of 12 of them, were killed. Uh, the, the original, excuse me, well, all but one. So I'm going to say 10 out of 11, one killed themselves. Okay? But if you want to throw Paul in there, you can, or whatever you want to do. John lived. The rest of them were killed, mostly as criminals, enemies of the state. They were fed to lions. They were burned at the stake. They were crucified, crucified upside down, stoned to death beaten to death ripped apart that's what happened to them that they were their lives that's, what, that's who they were and so I don't think it's a stretch for me to say okay uh, things are bad sometimes uh, in, our, in our over 200 almost uh, 300 year history as a loosely confederated states to where we are as the United States today uh, there's been one person that we know of put in jail for what they believed as far as Jesus Christ was concerned that was a woman just a couple weeks ago something's bad alright something's bad in every other case in, in our history when somebody had a strong held belief like that like that woman did about issuing gay marriage licenses they make what they, they make an accommodation for them that's what our government does. It is a strongly held religious Christian belief that she has, and the government makes a accommodation for that. Now, I use the example of, uh, I've been to court a number of times, and you know, they give you the Bible, you have to swear to tell the whole truth, tell the truth, so we got, well, I have a conviction about swearing, about uh, making an oath. And so there is an accommodation in United States law, state law, and local law, for people with strongly held religious convictions about taking an oath that you can affirm to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. They don't throw you in jail for contempt of court because you won't swear. Did you know that? Yeah. And so whenever I'm sworn in anywhere, I affirm it. 
That's all there is to it. Because I have a strongly held conviction and I won't take an oath. And so we have an accommodation for that. No, we're going to throw her in jail. No. So just think about that. I mean, I, I, don't, I try not to overreact to that, but it's hard not to. Because that doesn't happen in the United States of America. A federal judge does not throw a Christian woman in jail because she has a strongly held religious belief. That does not happen in the United States. But it just did. She was in jail for four days for that. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the, the things that are going on around us even. Uh, those of you that travel, you know, most of you have traveled with me or you will travel or you know, Sarah's a missionary, but I want you to think about, you know, where we go. It's not nice places. Sarah's not in a nice place in Pakistan. Her decisions need to be made before she's there. Right? My decisions need to be made before I go there. And they are. You know, what's it going to come down to? Well, I've made that decision when it comes down to. We've made that decision. Most of us have. Because that's where we need to start. That's our perspective. That's our, that's our spot where we move from. Where we grow from. Where we begin to, to branch forward from. So he says, let them continue to curse me, Re recognizing that they don't gain anything by doing that. And he knew that. They didn't because he knew God blessed him. He said, provided you, you bless me. In other words, he's anticipating with joy and thanksgiving God's grace. Because he's such a good person? No. When I say grace was... It's unmerited favor towards your enemy. So worst case scenario, you find yourself in a position where you're taking personal stock of your life and you realize that you have been an enemy of God, at least for a portion of your life. Alright, that's worst case scenario. You figure that out and you're like, okay, he still favors you, likes you, loves you, and has provided a way into his presence. There's nothing you've done. And and so the psalmist here anticipates joy. Do you? Do you anticipate Thanksgiving? Do you anticipate victory? Because he did. And, and the way he looked at it, he valued God's favor infinitely more than people's. When I first started going on to college campuses, one of the things I would do is pray for, and this was consistent, I would do this, favor with the administration, favor with the, the faculty and staff, favor with the students. I'd always pray that. And uh, probably after about, it was a long time, probably seven years of doing it, I completely changed my mind about it. I was praying one day, He's like, you really want their favor? And the way he, the way he changed my mind about it was that uh, there had been a president of uh, Syracuse University, a chancellor of Syracuse University, that um, really wasn't very kind toward Christians. And so we prayed for years for uh, a new chancellor. Right? 
and and so a new chancellor started come in, and uh, it was infinitely worse. I mean, just just not infinitely, but exponentially worse. It really was a lot worse. Same when we prayed for the dean of the chapel at SU. We thought we had a bad one. We got a new one. Worse. Worse. And so, and over that time, God, God convicted me about that. And he said, do you really want favor with them, or do you want favor with me? And I started changing that. I, I just pray for favor with you on this campus. Favor with you in this community. Favor with you out here. And I know it's answered because he wants to. He's given us favor. I know it. I can pray that in full faith. I know. I know. And begin to anticipate with joy, anticipate with thanksgiving what's out there, what God has, and what's coming. Instead of worrying, or instead of being concerned, or, or instead of living in fear. You know, we get words a lot. I ain't going to name any names, but man, we'll get a word like every other week or every month about the attacks coming. Well, no shit. Alright? I know the fucking attack's coming. I'm not going to live in fear of that. I'm not going to live in anticipation of another attack. Because you know what? I know it's coming. I'll live in anticipation of victory. I'll live in anticipation of God's grace. I'll live in anticipation of God's uh, deliverance. I'll live in anticipation of God doing miraculous things through that. But I am not going to sit around scared or in darkness or hiding underneath a tree... Because the attack's coming. No kidding. We should know the attack's coming and just be ready. I made that decision. I crossed that bridge already. I figure as long as I'm doing something for the gospel, something, anything, if I'm doing anything for the gospel, anybody's praying, anybody's doing anything for the gospel, there's going to be an attack. And if the attacks stop, let's pack it up, alright? I'll lead the charge back to the bus and let's get the hell out of here to some warmer weather, alright? Yeah. Seriously. Amen. So I am not going to live in some kind of dread of the attack. The attack reminds me that I'm alive and doing something. Because if it stops... That's what should scare you <laughs> to me as a Christian, as a living, breathing, I want to see the kingdom of God advance kind of Christian. That's what should scare you. That's when they stop. So, so we, we value God's favor infinitely more than a person's. We'll be reviled, we'll be cursed by people, but that's a small matter. A small matter, an insignificant matter, compared with favor and friendship with God. The the last part of the verses they uh, they talk about um, they talk about when the enemy arises. It says uh, it says uh, may those who attack me. Now, some, some translations say those who rise up against me. It says maybe they'd be put to shame. And when it talks about our enemies rising or, or, or coming against us, that means when they act out on their curses. And, and sometimes our enemies are going to act out. They're gonna be, it's going to be more than just 
verbal. It's going to be more than just accusations. It's going to be more than just uh, just the accusations of the of the enemy, of the devil. And it, there will be physical manifestations of that. And here's something I want to just really caution you about. Don't judge. And I know that's a blanket statement, but I just want to tell you that. Because Christians, when they see a church going through something, their first question is, what did they do wrong? When they see an individual going through something, what did they do wrong? And uh, that's as old as the Bible. Because Jesus, uh, disciples asked Jesus, they saw a man who was blind from birth, and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? That was their question. Not, why is he blind? Not, oh, how did this happen? Or, Jesus, oh, this is awful. Can you help him? It was, who sinned? This man or his parents? Because that's the Christian way, man. <laughs> Alright, you look at somebody, they got a problem going on. Oh, they deserve that. Makes you feel a lot better about your situation when you say that. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, churches face hardships because they're doing something. I, I really believe that. I think a lot of times when, when Christians judge other Christians because they have some hardships, uh, a lot of times the reason is the exact opposite. They're actually doing something. They're putting a dent in the kingdom of darkness. You know, churches that don't get attacked, churches that don't face persecution, churches that don't have problems coming up through the ranks or anything like that, you got to wonder. It's like, really? You know, and I wouldn't judge that either, but it's like, is it? I don't know. I know for me, I'd be a little worried. I'd be a little concerned. So it's almost exactly backwards to the way people judge things. And that's why this perspective is so hard to maintain. This perspective is, is, is so hard because everything around you tells you that this perspective is absolutely ass-backwards, and it's not. It's, it's, we need this. We're going to be super unhappy. We need this. Or we're going to make compromises, way too many compromises, that we're not going to get anywhere for the kingdom. We need this. Or, or we're going to be bitter at God. We need this. Or, or we're not going to respond right in the situation, in the moment, in the circumstance that we're put in. We've got to have it. Because if our expectation is, well, everything should be good all the time, not going to be. And if it is, maybe you're just perpetuating a lie. I don't know. All I know is that God's people faced hardship. That's what I do know. And read the Bible. Read it. Read about God's people. Read what happens to them. Read what the things that they face. They face hardship. This is not a book about people who everything everywhere they turned, you know, that the shit didn't smell and they ever turned to gold because they touched it. That's not what this is about. <laughs> Nothing's about that in here. It's not that easy. It's not meant to be that easy. We're in a fallen world and we're trying to make a dent for the kingdom of God in a fallen world. Why does that sound easy? Why? Or how? Or why come? Why come? It's not. And the last part of this, this is what I want to leave you with, is uh, the idea of rejoicing. Uh, once you get your perspective right, 
Once you start seeing things for what they are, once you make your decisions, make your decisions about who you're going to be, how you're going to be, how you're going to live, those kind of things, then there's a rejoicing on the other side of that. That when the hard times come, and as hard as it is sometimes, you can find joy. When the good times come, you can find joy. When things are easy, joy. Things are hard, joy. But there's a joy in the midst of it because, number one, it's not unexpected. Number two, it's not a shocker. Number three, you're, you're ready. And your life isn't going up and down like a merry-go-round. It just is what it is. It's a lot easier to find joy in the midst of that than trying to catch it when it flies by outside the window. Alright? You carry it with you instead of trying to catch it like the wind. Alright, any questions or anything? I'll try to answer them. So when you're referring to the lady who's in jail, because yeah. she's making a stand, you said an accommodation, that our government, and it's in history and, and currently to now, has had accommodation for someone who stands up for their faith, except by the fact they put her in jail, is saying they totally disregarded that. Yep. Right? Yep. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Understood. And I guarantee you, and this is... I don't know this is a fact, but I guarantee you that judge caught some shit for that. Because those judges are lifetime appointments. They're not going to do anything to him. But I guarantee you, some people he respected called him up and told him he was an asshole. But he was a tool of the devil. And I'll tell you what, it's been done now, so you can bet on it'll be done again. Okay. So there's something really going wrong because it occurred yeah oh no that it, it, all I all I want you to get out of that is something is going bad yeah something's going bad right now you're witnessing it you're seeing it mm -hmm. it's a part of your generation it's part of your life yeah. I think it's a it's kind of a to me it's kind of a cool challenge to really look at what where you stand on certain things because like you're saying, people look at things and judge. Well, we do that to ourselves right. all the time. And we we move ourselves out of our place of faith, in a sense, of doing God's favor. Right. Because of how we are seeing things. And so I think it's, it runs you through an interesting process of really seeing things, really understanding who you are, what you're made of, what you believe, and choosing to really address certain things that you just don't have to always. Well, you're not forced to, in a sense. Well, and I think a lot of this comes down to a lot of the, the basis of our preparation has to come back to salvation is the free gift of God. It's not of you. And it's not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Because if you can't get that, then you will judge yourself. In other words, you'll see situations come up in your life and you'll say, oh man, what'd I do? Well, I don't know you did anything. And I don't know what matters. It doesn't change one bit 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. What you did. Doesn't change one bit. Alright, so so there's a there's gotta be some kind of baseline that you go from. Alright, and that needs to be a good a good chunk of that baseline needs to come from that. And then you go from there. That correlate to um <clears throat> Well, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, judgment, self-judgment, sin, uh, law, fence jumping, you know, I mean, all that, yeah. It's all related. But we are hardwired because of the fall toward an old covenant understanding. You're fighting the fall whenever you try to live in a new covenant understanding. You're fighting it. And we don't need to. I mean, it's done. There's no fight to it. So, I mean, the devil is, you know, he, he will keep you in deception as long as he can. As far as like <clears throat> like tribulations and trials going, I, I know I, I, you know you read about these things, but um, I guess uh, I've never really I don't know maybe I have I've never really seen it or experienced it, so I don't really understand exactly. Does it just mean like people insulting you, or does it mean people like are actively attacking you? I, I, I guess I'm not really clear on that. It could be both or either. I mean, I've been physically assaulted because I've been doing evangelism. I've been punched in the face doing evangelism. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of that, uh, some of the things seem unrelated. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's there's times that I know I, people are situated, the things come against us. It's like, is that necessarily because of what we believe, not because of what we believe? Mm -hmm. Is there any distinction in our lives between that part of our life where we're a believer and that part of our life where we're what? Right. I mean, like, like for example, at your work, let's say you got a supervisor mm -hmm. that just absolutely hated your guts but couldn't tell you why. Mm -hmm. But why does he hate you? I don't know. Why does she want to see you ruined? I don't have any idea. Right. But could that be part of a trial and tribulation coming your way? Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily you're getting thrown in jail for what you believe. It could be something much more subtle than that that's going on. Right. Uh, it could be threatening your job. could be threatening your livelihood. could be a cop. I had a cop stalking me mm -hmm. on the way back from Inlet for years. Yeah. This guy, Trooper Olney. Mm -hmm. This guy would pull me over for no reason. Why? Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I have no idea. But he's persecuting me. Right. <laughs> right. So. So it's not, it could. It could. Doesn't even necessarily have to be a direct physical link. You did <clears throat> a. People saw a, so they reacted to you this way. It could be just a, a spiritual repercussion. You mm -hmm. did this over here, so the enemy's going to take you over here, even though the two events are unrelated. Well, and so in a yeah. sense, it's almost fruitless to try to figure that part out. Right. Because the answer isn't physical, it's going to be spiritual anyway. Right. Okay. So. 
not that your mind doesn't think about it. You're like, oh, what am I? Like, you're like with Trooper Olney. Right. Like, is there something offensive on my car? <laughs> no. <laughs> am I, do I just offend this guy or what's right. going on? I mean, I didn't know. Right. No idea. Could not figure it out. And it was fruitless trying to figure it out. It seriously was. I, If I wasted more than 10 minutes thinking about it, it was yeah. completely fruitless. Right. So. Anything else you think of? Any questions? I kind of rolled through it. I just kind of, you know. But that make, it kind of makes sense, people. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want us to be ready. I want us to, you know, be balanced. I want us to be strong. I mean, seriously. Uh, just be strong. Because uh, whatever happens, happens. But we need to stand. So, whatever you face, you stand. So, huh? all right. Well. I have one last question, or kind of like a your question. I don't know. So, because we're talking about okay, when people curse you, um, you no, know, ignore it. But like, when, or is there not really a when? I guess, or is it kind of like the sermon thing where you like rebuke it? either publicly or is it kind of like on your own like if somebody's cursing you like can you like, how do you rebuke that do you do it to them or is it kind of I don't know I, I that's a hard that's a hard question because I mean like the psalmist here he just ignored it yeah and know uh, David with that guy was cursing him just ignored it he's like let me go you know I, I think my experience with that is that the vast majority of times anybody's ever come against me like that or ever caused a problem like that, it's been, uh, it, it's been, I just ignored it. I didn't even have it. So, so there's no consequence. So, do that or flip, I just flip out. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time I just ignore it, but probably. talking to me that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I said to him. He looked at me like, hmm, 
contagious, bro. salvation and relationship with you that, that really is about you. It's about your grace and uh, I, I thank you that you put us in a position where uh, you've done what needs to be done and I, I pray that we believe. I, I want to believe even more and more and more every day and I pray that you put that kind of faith into us, that abiding faith that, that faith that goes through every any circumstance, every circumstance, that faith that uh, is just the same, ups, downs, in-betweens, but a real, living, abiding faith of all that you've done, your free gift, the grace, the mercy. I pray that they just be real to us. And then we get a real good baseline of your grace in our life. Pray whatever decisions need to be made, that we'd make them. Not in the moment, but we'd make them ahead of time. So the moment isn't so hard. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's the truth is the truth. And so God, I pray that the decisions need to be made would be made. So that even in moments of weakness, moments of trial, moments of severe leanness of the flesh, we can stand. Stand strong in what our faith tells us and what we believe. pray you pour your joy on us, a joy that recognizes the, the end, that recognizes the beginning, and that can stand through all that's in between. I pray a joy in each of us that rises up in our hearts, that dominates our minds as we rejoice in all that you are, all of who you are, even in the hardest times. That we could find somehow, some way, we find joy, joy, joy. God, I pray we make the, the big boys go.